0: Amen. Hi, everyone. Uh, I want to start off. I just kind of want to talk with you today. Um, I do have something to share in the word, but it's been such a tough uh, week uh, on earth (laughs) that I just wanted to, I wanted to pray with you guys uh, today for that. And, uh, uh, you know, so much suffering, so much disaster that um, people at at right now, um, you know, a lot of people feel hopeless because they can't really, you know, control those things, I guess. But I believe that it's our time as believers, as people who love God, to, to rise up, to stand up and say something or do something, whatever we can do or whatever we can say around us. I mean, there's people at least in my experience where I work, that are scared, terrified. They're planning for the big one to hit. What's next? You know, California is next. That's, that's the attitude and that's the mentality out there. And it's, we can't just stay quiet and just assume that people are just going to figure it out without God, without hope. It's just the big one's going to hit and hopefully we have enough water and canned food. No, hopefully we have Jesus. And so we, we need to speak up. We need to you know say something to the to the world around us. And you know, I just uh, observing everything that's happening around the world. I I couldn't help but feel compassion, and to feel bad, and, and to see the the stuff that I saw. It was it was tough for me anyway. And and I think of like sometimes the issues that I complain about in my own home. You know, and and not that those are less important, but. It just gives you a little bit of perspective, I think, that, that people right now have no food, have no water, have no hope. They don't know what's going to happen. Some people are, are on roofs in their homes. They don't know. They don't have any rescue teams in, in Puerto Rico and, and Dominican Republic and th- those areas. So a lot of people are losing hope. And, and I believe that it's time for the church, uh, for, at least here, for us to just rise up and spread hope around us. So I want to just pray really quick before uh, we move on to something else. If you can join me in prayer, you can stay seated, but just close your eyes, and let's just pray for the affected areas around the world. Father, what what an awesome service so far, God. You've really moved in our lives, Lord, and we feel full in this house. But there's people out there, Lord, that have no hope, that have no resources, God. They have no way out. They, They don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, Lord. But I know, Father, that there is hope because you are still alive. You haven't gone anywhere, and you are still good, Lord. So I pray for those affected areas, Lord, and the Caribbeans, God, all those countries that have been affected by natural disasters, for Houston, God, for Mexico, where the earthquake hit, God, in the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that you would send angels, God, to rescue people, that you would send your servants, God, that people would pray for people, bless people, that the church would stand up, Lord, that we would do our part here around us, Lord that when people are scared and afraid that we would stand up with courage and hope Lord with your message Lord of the good news and the mighty name of Jesus Lord bring hope to this world God in Jesus name use us Lord to bring hope to this world God send your messengers Lord send your evangelists God in the mighty name of Jesus Lord I ask you God to bless the nations of earth Lord because your church is still here God in Jesus' name, amen. And that's right, the rapture was supposed to be yesterday, right? According to some people, September 23rd, some some star stuff was going to align. I get into that stuff. I, I'm, a, I'm a weirdo that way. I'm like, yeah, what's happening? Like, you know, but at the end of the day, like, I know it's not. Obviously, we're still here. Um, and I just think that uh, the Holy Spirit was reminding me yesterday, actually, he was reminding me and, and he was telling me, you know, people haven't really understood the first coming of Christ and they want to understand the second coming. And, and that's kind of tough because people, uh, churches, right now, you know, if, if we looked at church as a whole, is it's not really a united church right now. Uh, mostly what we unite about is what we disagree on. And so Jesus wants to come for a church, like Revelation says, that says, it says the church and the Holy Spirit say come. That means that the entire church and the Holy Spirit are so connected and so united that both of them simultaneously are asking for Jesus to come. And I just don't see that in the church right now. But I know that God is working that in our lives and in the church's health So God, you know, I I saw a quote that I I love very much. The devil's not afraid of a big church. He's afraid of a united church. And so God wants to unite the church. He, He doesn't want us to fight over what we disagree on anymore. You know, we all agree that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, that he died and resurrected. And we need to just come and unite with others that we may disagree with. But we're still here. And Jesus is coming for his church. But we must, we must wait for him, but at the same time, work and spread the kingdom around us and that hope and that good news. Live both of those ways, waiting for Christ like he's coming today, you know, with that. What that means, it doesn't mean, like, Back in the day, it was like fear. Oh, Jesus is coming. And it was like fear. And and maybe I don't go to school and I don't work and I don't do anything because Jesus is coming. That's not what it's supposed to be. It, this is a relationship. Jesus is coming so that the bride can get married to the groom that's what it's Jesus is coming is about. This whole thing, it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about the king coming with fire and wrath for his church. No, the church is waiting for the groom. The bride is waiting for the groom. So we should be excited and in relationship. God's, Jesus is coming when intimacy, it's at his highest point in the church. When everyone in the church is intimate with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus Christ. That's when God is coming. Otherwise, is is it, He can't come for bits and pieces. He wants He wants all of us. Amen. So yeah, so that, that, you know that was supposed to happen yesterday. And then uh, you know I, I just I kind of want to express these things to you because I think they're important for us to know and and for you to hear them. Um, Another thing that I think the church, and, and I personally have done wrong, is I've kind of taken sides in a lot of issues in the media and politics. I've taken sides on a lot of those things, and I don't want to do that anymore, and, and I repent from that. I don't want to take sides anymore. I, I don't think the church should take sides on some of these issues. I think some of these issues, we can be in the middle and be just compassionate for some people. And I, and I feel like sometimes as the church, as, uh, talking for myself and my experience, I feel like I take a, like an extreme side sometimes, and I don't have any empathy for the person that's on the other side. And that's, I don't think that's healthy for a church. And I don't think that grace and love should be that way, starting with me. I don't think that we should take sides and say they're wrong and they're right. How about we try to understand each other? Our goal is not to, to you know, uh, to, for our political party to win. That's not the goal of the kingdom. The goal of the kingdom is for Jesus to infiltrate every area of this earth. And if we pick sides, we pick sides, we're going to have an agenda. And I don't want to have agendas. Or if I do have an agenda, I want it to be the kingdom. And I want it to be Jesus. And I want to understand others other Christians, not just people from the other Christians that think differently than I do because of their experience in this country. So I I personally don't want to take sides anymore and I want to have compassion for others. Do I have principles that I want to stand on? Of course. I can't, I can't, I can't move away from those principles. They're biblical principles that I stand on. I have a worldview, but that doesn't mean I can't empathize and have compassion for others. I need to be like Jesus where the adulterous woman was thrown at her feet and, and at his feet and, and he had compassion for her. It's the people from the church he didn't really have that much uh, vibes with. I'll just say it that way to be nice. But Jesus loved the sinner. He loved the tax collector, the prostitute. Man, he loved so much that it looked like he agreed with them. That's how much he loved them. That the Pharisees would think, he must get drunk too. He must be with these women too. He must steal from the people like the tax collectors do. Because he was with them so much that people thought that he actually agreed with them. And, and, and we're so, like, quick to say what we disagree with. And, and I don't know, man. I, I don't want to do that anymore. I'll, I'll, are you with me? Am I, am I? Maybe I'm just me, but I, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I, re, I respect our leaders in, in this nation, but I want to respect others that don't have positions either or titles. And, and I want to have compassion for them. So I I don't, me as a pastor here, I'm not going to support certain things anymore. Like, I'm changing. It's different for me. I will stand with principles. I will stand against things like abortion and and the true definition of marriage and things like that. But I won't stand to hurt others anymore. I'm just going to be real. And if you don't like it, well, I love you still. Amen. Someone said it was about vulnerability today. I didn't know. I got got here on time, not late. But I had this thing I told Cynthia this morning. She's like, oh, you're going to like, you know, go over your notes and stuff? Nope. I don't have any notes. I don't want any notes. I'm just going to talk from the heart. God's been speaking to me. I'm just going to talk. And whatever God does, then he does. If I say something wrong, I'm sorry. <clears throat> just scratch it off your notes. Don't, don't, you know, go to the word first. But I know that God wants to speak to us, and he wants to change. We're not just in a transition, like, like functionally. God wants to transition us in many ways. Spiritually. He wants us to bless you, always. <laughs> he wants us to grow and be transformed. Okay, look, if we keep doing the same thing and get the same results, something's got to change, right? Something's got to give. We can't keep doing the same stuff and, and then expect different results because then not only are we insane, we're not that smart. So we got we to gotta change that, Amen? So, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to stand for those things anymore. Me, myself. I I want to, like, see the heart of Jesus. Like, I want to hear, I want to lay on his chest, hear his heartbeat for the world. I want to know, like, I want to understand that the Father's, like, his desire is for people to see and believe in Jesus. And I want to live like that. And I don't want to, you know, humanly, like Jesse was saying in the flesh, like, I just... When bad things happen, like, I just want to feel bad, like, in the flesh. Like, when bad things happen, I just want to sulk, I want to feel bad, and I want to, like, be depressed and leave me alone. I don't want to, that's how, that's the flesh. But the flesh also does something else when you disagree with something, because you feel like you're God. You feel like you can sit on the judgment seat and judge others. And make those calls and, like, no, that's wrong, and this is right, and this is how it should be. How about we let the Holy Spirit do the work through us and being obedient to him and having compassion and being like Jesus? Amen. Amen. I'm being challenged myself. I feel so emotional because I'm being challenged. I'm being like shaken. And God's like challenging. Bless you, too. God's like challenging me. And he's saying, like, something's got to give. We can't we can't be the church of yesterday anymore. There's some things that got to give and got to change. We can't just condemn and condemn and tell people they're wrong and this is wrong and this is the right thing to do. Who are we? Let's just Can we have compassion and empathy first? We just go straight to that's wrong, that's bad, and this is how I think and this is better. And we forget, like, Jesus Christ, the, he's God. He's God in the flesh walking around. God walking around with ants and he's listening to them and having compassion for them. Did he did he correct them in a compassionate and empathetic way? Of course. Of course. But he heard them. He listened and didn't jump to "Hey, Don't talk. You're wrong. Okay, look, I'm God. I'm right. And you're wrong and you're not God. He didn't jump right to that. He jumped to, like, let's, can we hear, let me hear you out? Let me hear you, let me hear you out. And I understand, you know. We all have convictions. We all have convictions. I have those convictions. I just explained those two convictions for me. Babies protected in the womb is a a lot, a big conviction for me. Uh, uh, Marriage, the way God defines it, is a big conviction for me. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and not have compassion. And empathy, and just judge. I need to preach. All right. um, Are we good? Ephesians. You could go to it if you want. I'm going to just read it. Ephesians 6. I'm just going to tell you what the Holy Spirit told me last Tuesday. Not this Tuesday that passed, but the one before that. I woke up one morning and he just started speaking to me about this. Ephesians 6 16 and all all morning i couldn't even work i was just like listening to the holy spirit writing stuff down actually no i didn't write anything down i'm lying i usually write stuff down this time i didn't write anything down and that's why i don't have notes ephesians 6:16 says in addition to all of these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil i'll read it again in addition to all of these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. All right. So with the Holy Spirit, as, as I woke up and, and, and he was communicating stuff to me, uh, downloading, downloading, just telling me. He said, look, things go from lying thoughts to fiery thoughts. Right here, they're called fiery arrows. But lying thoughts, fiery thoughts, they go to oppression. Then they go to stronghold. And then it just gets worse for some people. To possession. Possession. Um, The reason he was telling me all of this is not because he wanted me to, like, talk about what the enemy is doing or does, but there's something that we need to partner up in God with. So this is just to set it up, basically. So, you know, a lying thought is not just a bold-faced lie from the enemy. It's packaged in some really nice truth. For example, if you didn't get the job that you prayed for, Uh, he'll tell you, you didn't get the job that you prayed for because, and then maybe the lie will come there. So it's packaged in some truth. And so that's why sometimes for us, it's hard to navigate in our mind, what is truth and what is not because those lying thoughts are packaged in truth. And then those lying thoughts become fiery thoughts, meaning that we just start playing with that thought and it kind of burns in our mind and it starts to become a reality almost. And, and, And God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live the way that he says here. uh, Hold up the shield of faith. Amen. Hold up the shield of faith. And I want to talk a little bit about what faith is. Faith is not just some belief in God. Faith, when you break it down, is trust. Trust who God says he is and trust who he says you are. That's basically faith. So the Bible says in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay? So there's a substance. I don't have the stuff, but I have the substance of those things that I hope for. So what is the substance? The substance is God, is the trust and relationship that I have with God. We put our trust in the things that we need to get when we should put our trust in who God is. First, that's the evidence. The evidence in your life of the things that, are ho- that you're hoping for is God. But we skip God and we focus on the things that we're hoping for and we don't put trust in God and who he says he is and trusting God in who he says we are. What does the devil attack us with? Those two things. He makes us judge God and judge ourselves. So it breaks the trust between you and God. Because now you're questioning whether God is good. You're questioning whether God is in the midst. Is, is he around? Is he, is he talking? Is he, is he, what, is, what is God doing? So the enemy comes with these lying thoughts and then these fiery thoughts To break that trust between you and God. You can't get to your things that you're hoping for if you don't trust Jesus. And even when you don't get the things, or it's taking a while for you to get the things, you have a trust with God. And sometimes we don't get things because we just don't have the full picture. Some things might... End up I don't know. I don't want to give disclaimers, but we don't know. Basically, we just don't have the perception, so we must focus on trust. That, that is lifting up the shield of faith. When the devil says, you're not good enough, or he says, you know, uh, this is why you didn't get this, or this is why this didn't happen because of this or because of that or because of you. You didn't pray enough. You didn't read. You didn't blah, 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 blah. He's attacking your trust between you and God are you with me? So what does Paul say? He says, put up the shield. Put up the shield of faith. Put up the shield that you trust God. God is your shield of faith. Put God first. Put him up. Trust him. Trust him. When the enemy attacks you with these lying thoughts and these fiery thoughts. Now let's go to Genesis. This is where we'll kind of spend... The rest of our time here. Genesis 4. Amen. Uh, verse 5. L- listen to this. Last week I preached about how Jesus loves us, okay? God loves us. God loves Cain, He loves Abel. But let's look at this. But He did not accept Cain and His gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, please listen to this. Listen to these these words. This is amazing. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? That means depressed. Why do you look so depressed? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Let's keep reading. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out to the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Okay. Okay, this is a very important message. Probably one of the most important messages this year. When you do what is right, you will be accepted. That word accepted there doesn't mean like God like, loves you or he accepts you. You're already accepted. Cain was with God already. Isn't it interesting, though, that Adam and Eve were outside of the garden. They have two kids, Cain and Abel, and God is still speaking to Cain and Abel. He has not separated himself From Cain and Abel. He's still trying to have a relationship with humanity. He loves Cain and Abel. They are in God's love. So I I want you to write notes because it's going to help me because I don't have any and we need to remember this stuff. Okay? So God loves Cain and Abel. When you do the right thing, you will be accepted, he tells him. That word accepted is actually cheerful. It's not like... I accept you for who you are. He already accepts Cain for who he is because that's his son. And so is Abel. And Adam is his son and and Eve, his daughter. He accepts them. He loves them. He's taking care of them. He's speaking to them. But he's telling him, if you do the right thing, you will be accepted. What happened was Cain brought his leftovers as a sacrifice to God. So he didn't do the right thing, right? He didn't bring his first fruit. Abel got the first fruit, took a risk because he doesn't know if his herd is going to have more babies. So he takes a risk, takes the firstborn and sacrifices to God. Cain waits till everything is harvested and then, you know, maybe separates and then says, "Okay, this is extra. I'll take this to God and takes what's extra or leftover for God. He doesn't do the right thing. And when he doesn't do the right thing, God cannot bless him. Because if God blesses him, that means he's agreeing with doing the wrong thing. And so for us in our life, we think God loves everything that I do. He loves you. He doesn't love everything you do. Because there's some things that we do, uh, me too, that he cannot accept because they hurt us. So what we do in life is we sometimes are like Cain. We do the wrong thing and expect God to bless that. And God don't bless that. We get mad and angry. Like Cain. And then we victimize ourselves. You ever met a victim in everything? There's like people are victims. It's never a victim is never their fault. A victim says it's someone else's fault. It's God's fault. It's that person's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my mom's. It's everyone. It's Donald Trump, everything. It's always someone else's fault. And Cain, he, he does, his sacrifice is not accepted, so he gets angry and depressed. You see, he, he started hearing those lying thoughts and started to believe and compare himself to his little brother. That was his little brother. Doing better than him. This is his thoughts. My little brother who, who should be my little brother is doing better things. And God is accepting him. And God is blessing him. And God is opening doors for him. But when I bring the sacrifice to you, God, when I do the things that that, that I think are right, you don't bless me. Now, I'm angry at my brother. I'm angry at God. And I'm depressed. I'm depressed now because I was doing the wrong thing. But that I thought was right. But that God said it's not right. But I'm angry. I'm the victim. And what does a victim do? A victim blames Blames others for their wrong decision-making. God loves you, so he wants you to do the right thing so that he can bless you. And you might think, well, everything works out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, though, right? Yes, that's true. But you have to go through the messy part of making the wrong choice because we weren't obedient to the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. You know the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Come on, shut the music off. Turn the TV off. You know the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And you're like, nah. You're like, I rebuke that. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, no, I don't want you to be around these people anymore. Because they're influencing you in the wrong direction. Nah, I rebuke that, Lord. I'm Jesus here. I'm I'm, I'm influencing them. I'm getting drunk and high, but, you know, it's legal now. And the Holy Spirit is like, hey, this is, you're you're not strong enough for this just yet. Let's wait a little bit. Let's wait. Let's, let's, you know, let's get more involved. Let's get more engaged in church. Like, let's let's have a relationship. You know, just be obedient to me. And you're like, no. And, And let's just keep it real, really, really real. We say no to God. Don't act like, oh, hallelujah, Lord. And then we go out there, and we're like, nah. Me too, y'all. This message is not because, like, I got it. Like, I got it all together. Like, yeah, guys, you know, the right thing all the time over here. No, no, this is me and Cynthia. We had a meeting. We have family meetings, y'all. I recommend it. had a family meeting, and we sat down, and the Lord spoke this to us. I was telling her what what the Lord was telling me in an area of our life. And and we both came to the conclusion and the agreement. The Holy Spirit has already spoken to us on what to do in this area. But we're not doing it. And we're expecting things to work out. And then when when we're like drowning in the wrong decisions we've made, we're like, God, what the heck, man? And God is grace. Full, and he'll save you. He's gracious. He's loving. He'll save you. He'll he'll bring you to you know to a place of of like redemption. And I'm not saying God is just going to leave you and treat you like Cain because now you you're in the new covenant. But he doesn't want you to go through that whole thing. So when when uh, God sees Cain, he says, "Why are you so angry?" Why do you look so dejected or depressed? Now, when God asks questions, he knows the answers to them. Every time God asks questions, he knows the answers to them. But he's asking those questions so that Cain can reflect. Why, why am I why am I freaking out? Why, why am I comparing myself? Why do why am I? Why am I stirring hate against so-and-so? Why do I not have compassion? Why do I not have empathy? That that was the the response that Cain needed to have. But Cain, the the opposite, right? And God tells him, you will be accepted if you do, you will be cheerful. You will be cheerful if you do the right thing. Or if you do what is right, you will be cheerful if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Watch out. Sin is at the door, eager to control you. Now listen to this, okay? We have doors. and We have the power to open those doors and close those doors in the spirit world. Cain, with his, the way that he's leading his life, doing the, you know, uh, accepting this way of thinking in his life. He, he's at the door. Sin is knocking at the door. And what's so interesting to me here is that God says, sin is knocking at the door and it wants to control you. But. I want you to control it. This is Cain. This is before Jesus Christ, before the blood. This is before everything. And God is telling Cain, you can control this. You can master sin. You can't let it be your master. Is God lying? Is God lying? He's he's telling him the truth. But what is sin? We look at sin and we think lust. We think fornication. We think adultery. We think like the worst murder. You know what I'm saying? We think the worst things. But what he's saying, the heart of this is that Cain is comparing himself and hates Abel. That's the heart of this. That's the sin that, that we, with our mouth. How many things have we said with our mouth that we shouldn't say against our brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm, I'm guilty too. I'm challenged by this as well. It's tough when someone hurts you or, or someone seemingly looks like they're doing better. Better. It's tough to not want to say something. Am I alone? It's just me? It's tough to be like, God bless them. Like, for real, though, like, you know, God bless them. We, we love them. It's tough. I uh, had an experience. This is funny. I'm going to put myself on blast. <clears throat> um, excuse me. I think I told the, the men on Friday. By the way, we had a great time. Um, All of you that missed, uh, your men card is being pulled. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But uh, come next time. Um, Yeah, so I applied for the manager position that I didn't get, right? I've been with the company six years. And I I used to be in that department. And I was like, oh, this is mine. Like, come on. I was there five and a half years or more. And uh, I know it. Like the back of my hand. I've been helping them. Mind you, I've been helping them now that they don't have staff, right? I've been helping them. And I'm like, it's, it's mine. I went in the interview, good interview, so I thought. And uh, I didn't get it, right? And so someone that had been in the company for two years got the job. And oh, my gosh, was I challenged, was I challenged because naturally I wanted to just talk stuff, if you know what I mean. And I remember coming to work one day and just boom, and I started thinking, forgive me, okay? Just thoughts, I rebuked them. I started thinking, man, I hope it sucks. I hope they fail. I hope they mess up. But this is, these are my thoughts, right? I hope it sucks. I hope he messes up. I hope blah, 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 all these bad things, right, in my head. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the heck? What am I thinking? No, no, no. I'm not going to think like that. I'm not going to think like that. I rebuke that in Jesus name. I bless that department actually. I want that department to succeed. And when they asked me to help now that they're fully staffed, actually I asked, "Hey, can I help in any way? I know it's a new staff. I'm glad to help." And I've been helping them. Cuz I don't want to I don't want to be like Cain. I want to be an example as a Christian, like oh, you didn't get the job, and you're still helping them. Yeah, yeah, because I, I'm from the kingdom, and, and my boss is Jesus Christ, and my provider is God. The owner of silver and gold is my father, and he will provide. So I need to do the right thing. We had a meeting with the board, and I can tell you exactly what we discussed. But someone said, uh, "By the way, we're all crying in this meeting." <sighs> yes, <laughs> and uh, someone said, "This is the right thing to do," and and I, I have a feeling we're gonna end up telling you, but just wait, okay? And pray for us. And they said, "This is the right thing." Someone said, and it reminded me of this: this is the right. Sometimes the right thing don't look good, and don't feel good either. Sometimes the right thing doesn't look good or feel good. But it is the right thing. And you know what Cain could have done? Which we all can relate to this. Okay? Cain could have been like, Abel, listen, I'm having trouble with this whole offering thing. And I see that God is blessing you in that area. Can you help me out, man? What do you think? Abel would have said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Abel would have said, yeah, of course, man, you're my brother. Of course, let's, let's help each other. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, this is just what's in my heart, and that's what I've heard from God, and let's just do it. Like, take a risk. I, I know it's scary, you know, to, to give tithing and offering, and I know it's scary, but just just trust God. Trust. Trust and and do the right thing. And and then instead of the door opening to sin, it's going to be the door that God wants to bless you with. That God wants to multiply you in those doors that that you're waiting for. He can't give you those doors that you're waiting for because, well, uh, you haven't done the right thing. And neither have I. In areas, And so I'm challenged. I don't know what your area is. But all of us have something or two. And, and, and we need to do the right thing. And we need to obey God. And the right thing is obeying God. Not, not obeying the pastor or a man uh, unless they're sent by God. And you, and you discern that God is speaking. Ultimately, it's obeying God and saying this is the right thing to do. I, I've left this and, and, and I need to regain it because I haven't done the right thing. And so Cain opens the door, unfortunately, to sin. And, and basically, like I said, is comparison and hate for Abel. And then uh, just like God told him, if you open the door, sin is eager eager to control you fear is eager to control you some of us have fear we don't want to step out and speak about god or 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 whatever some of us are bad examples at work you're a whole different person at work than you're at church a whole different person at school than you're are at church are you kidding god wants you to do the right thing So that he can bless you with what you're complaining about. This is the challenge he challenged me with. We were at the dinner table, our new dinner table that God blessed us with, that Cynthia's mom gave to us. Praise the Lord. And we were there, and I felt God. I felt him on me, like on my shoulders, and just saying, like, this is the right thing that you guys are doing. I don't know what it is in your your life, I don't know what it is in in your heart, but you know deep inside that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do this and to not be afraid and to trust him. Y'all know the story of when I told Cynthia that I cheated on her when we were dating? Most of you know. I had to obey God. It was scary. I thought I would lose her. I was in fear, but I did the right thing that the Holy Spirit asked me to do. I obeyed, and it turned out, well, we've been married 10 years. Thank you. Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Maybe we kill people, not literally. But with our words, with our actions, with what we say about them behind their back. You don't think God's listening to that, huh? <laughs> he is, man. I'm challenged by that. He's listening. We might not kill literally, but with our words. And we're sarcastically just putting people down. And they're not around. And so I, I want us to kind of grow. And be challenged in that. I know the Lord wants that. And he wants us to do the right thing. Okay? Uh, It's it's a process. It's step by step. You might start to do the right thing in an area, mess up, and have to kind of start over. That's okay. Keep going. And God will train you. And he'll make you stronger in that area. And if you have to ask your little brother for help, do it. Amen? all right let's pray thank you for listening to the grace and love podcast we hope you are blessed by this message if you have a prayer request we would love to hear from you please feel free to contact us and if you're in the la area we would love to meet you we have services sundays at 2 p.m and fridays at 8 p.m we are located at 1900 medford street montebello california 90640 thanks again and god bless you